This is the Amanda Murphy Radio. This podcast is for every woman who has ever felt less than, unworthy, or just not enough. It's for any woman who has ever felt wronged by diet culture or society and is just truly fed up trying to keep up. On this podcast, no topic or conversation is ever off limits. We'll talk about all things anti-diet and intuitive eating, body positivity and self-acceptance, health and empowerment, literally all things women. Each episode, we'll dive into inspiring conversations and share powerful stories that help us feel more empowered and more connected than ever before. It's time we take back control of our health, our bodies, and our lives. I'm your host, Amanda Murphy, certified intuitive eating counselor and empowerment mentor for girls. Are you excited? Girl, me too. Hello, ladies. Oh my God, I am so excited for this conversation. And I am so glad it's finally in this world. Paige is simply just the sweetest human being on the planet. And she's a yoga instructor. And that is so flippin' awesome. But today you're going to hear us talk about Paige's struggles with her eating disorder and how it was hard for her to get the treatment that she needed because her body was not a stereotypical body for somebody who has an eating disorder. And people, especially society, viewed her body as normal, quote, quote, and acceptable. So she really had a hard time getting the treatment that she needed for her her very real eating disorder. And this conversation was just so magical. And Paige was just so raw and so authentic and so real. And I don't know how you cannot listen to this conversation and think, oh my God, like, ugh, I don't even know. I can't even put it into words. Again, Paige is just simply the sweetest, the cutest, and I love her so much. And I love this conversation. And I'm going to stop rambling. And I'm just going to let you dive right in. Well, and I do really appreciate you allowing me to chat with you and and sharing your story because I do think it's extremely, it's an extreme story that needs to be heard. Awesome. Thank you. I'm really glad that you asked. I I'm always happy to share, even though it's nerve wracking sometimes to share. But that's for the whole, you know, journey with like Instagram and posting everything. And yeah, I feel like because we don't share these kind of things, that's why they're still kind of taboo. So yeah, happy to share. Absolutely. absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of people don't even realize happens. Agreed. Yeah. Like they just don't realize that. Um, there's kind of a stigma around what illness looks like, different illnesses. And um, if you don't fit that stigma, you don't fit that look, then you're not taken seriously as being ill. I totally agree. Yeah, I think um, in any kind of illness, we just usually associate people's weight with like what we think, how healthy they are. And that's just so not related and like so many different illnesses that we can even talk about. So yeah, it's important just to like keep talking about that to separate those two things because a lot of people don't get like treatment that they need because it's just assumed that they don't need it or they have something different going on. Just, yeah, I totally agree. So, yeah. Yeah. So you currently are a yoga teacher or yoga instructor, correct? Okay. So I do want to talk about that, but before we talk about that and dive into that aspect, why don't you share with me as your story, your history um, from start to current and if you feel like you're you know taking up some time or you're going on don't feel bad we want to hear it all okay cool I'll start from the beginning so I I guess I would say like 
my beginning starts around middle school for me. Um, when I started to become like aware of my body and just like how much space I was taking up and kind of developed a little bit of self-consciousness. I was really into sports growing up. So yeah, I developed a self-consciousness and this like competitiveness around other people just because I was involved in sports in middle school and like body image kind of became part of that. Um, so in middle school is when I kind of started restricting my diet a little bit with the intention of losing weight to get faster to like kind of, I guess, contradict some of these like natural body changes that were happening in me because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't used to it. I wanted to like regain control over all the stuff, you know, middle school, like things happen, things change. Oh yeah. Parts your grow. Yeah. It just can be kind of uncomfortable. And yeah, so I was just trying to regain some of that control over that. So I started restricting a lot when I was in middle school and lost a ton of weight. Um, and at this point, like middle school, seventh, eighth and ninth grade, I kind of spent those three years being underweight. Um, and this is when people started getting concerned about me. So family was concerned. Friends were concerned. Coaches were kind of concerned about me. Um, and I didn't want this kind of attention or this concern. So I like ended up sort of hiding it, you know, wearing baggy sweaters, wearing clothes that kind of hid how underweight that I was getting. Um, mm-hmm. So at this point, it would be like, you know, I had anorexia. I didn't have a diagnosis of anorexia. but looking back having talked to doctors now yes like i kind of met all of those requirements for that diagnosis but something happened like around ninth grade where i, I believe your you know your body wants to survive right like it doesn't want to die of starvation oh, yeah, of course. so what happened was i kind of moved away like my disordered eating symptoms kind of moved away from just like restriction and kind of ended up turning more into like a restriction binging purging cycle and what happened with that was that I gained all the weight back so around like ninth tenth grade I kind of went back to my natural like what I was supposed to be kind of weight um still incredibly disordered like nothing is cured here but my like my weight has been restored so at this point all that concern that was like normally around me just kind of dropped I still felt like I was very much like out of control like I had no idea how to eat intuitively, like how to do any of this stuff. But like, yeah, it's hard when you no longer look like you have an eating disorder. So there's no one kind of pressuring you to like tell them what's up or like there's no concern about that. So I kind of lived that way then for like the next maybe 10 years or so. I say I didn't really go to treatment until I was 24. And this was all when I was like 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for like those 10 years, I kind of maintained what people would call a healthy weight being like whatever the BMI, I don't even know the numbers, but like whatever those categories are. Right. Um, to show that you're healthy. Although I was definitely not healthy. Like there was definitely nothing healthy about the way that I was eating and the way that I was like thinking about food. Um, I think my body image got way worse at this point even because I felt that, you know, I was trying my hardest to lose weight and my body just kind of rejected that idea you know it was just like mm-hmm. no nah, I'm not going to be underweight which looking back I'm thankful for because like good my body wanted to survive I didn't really want to be underweight why would it so yeah where am I ninth grade tenth grade gaining weight back although I'm still restricting super frustrating um my disordered eating gets worse because of that it kind mm-hmm. of starts this cycle right like I'm doing all this stuff to like lose all this weight 
but I can lose this weight. Therefore, nobody's going to take me seriously when I say I have an eating disorder because I can't like quote unquote prove it, if that makes sense. Yeah, you don't look like, like it, so to say. I don't, yeah, I, if I tell someone, I was like worried if I had told someone that I was like restricting, they'd be like, oh, well, it doesn't look like you're restricting. And that's like a really hard thing to hear because mm. that's what you're trying to, yeah. So throughout high school, a little bit into college, throughout college, I'm still kind of dealing with that and getting more and more like further away from the idea of ever getting treatment because I'm thinking like, I just can't like lose enough weight in order to get treatment. I had this idea in my mind from this point that like in order to like go into a treatment center and be taken seriously, I had to appear underweight at this point, which is so untrue. And also a very common thinking pattern I've noticed as I've talked to people that have eating disorders. There's this idea that you can't go to treatment unless you're sick enough. And that concept of sick enough is different for everybody. Um, for some people, it's like almost dying sick enough. For other people, it's like a way that they look sick enough. Um, and that's just a big problem, like a huge problem and like a barrier to getting treatment for eating disorders. So yeah, I just didn't, didn't get treatment for a long time. Um, I eventually did. I, my boyfriend at the time, current fiance, actually encouraged me when I was like 24 to go get treatment. And I was so nervous about this. I was like, I can't just like waltz into an eating disorder treatment center and be like, help me. Like I was had this idea that someone had to like refer you or like someone had to like tell you or give you permission to kind of give you this sort of help that you need. So I just put it off for a long, long time. Eventually I was like 24. I'm kind of done like being so stressed out about food all the freaking time and like not really understanding how to like function <laughs> normally just like eat how your body's supposed to eat like I just don't understand any of this like all of this like intuitive stuff I was supposed to learn throughout growing up never happened because I was busy with an eating disorder this whole time so I did I called eventually I called this eating disorder treatment that literally was situated right next to the yoga studio where I taught and I like would look at it it was called the Emily program it's a great place highly recommend it for everyone but I would look at it every single time I went to go teach and I was like I should just call them. Nah, no, they wouldn't take me seriously. And that went on for a while until one day I did. I just kind of sucked it up and I called them and shared my story in a very similar way that I'm doing right now and like asked them like, like, am I somebody that you would treat? And they're like, um, yeah, you should come in for an assessment. We can talk more. And, and that was another barrier. It took me a while, a couple appointments that were missed in order to actually go in for that because I was really afraid of that one. Like that someone would look at me, see that I was not like gauntly thin and be like, oh yeah, you don't, you don't need treatment and you're fine. We've got more concerning people or like mm -hmm. people that deserve treatment more or like need it more first. But eventually I did go in there and got an assessment and realized I qualified for their outpatient care program and enrolled in that and went through that. And it was really helpful and it was life changing. And I'm really glad I did that. And um, that's kind of started my whole mentality shift and how we approach eating disorders and yeah how we define sick enough in order to get help I don't think anything that I was doing in these 10 years would have killed me um your body wants to survive like my cravings were there although they were all over the place like my intuitive eating was all over the place just because of my eating disorder because I 
spent so much time trying to resist all this stuff. I did eat enough food in order to survive, but it was just this huge like burden, this huge stressor on me. So I don't believe that you need to be like sick enough to die in order to get treatment for an eating disorder. In fact, it's way more important to get treatment before that place because it's easier to get better, you know. But I think people wait way too long to go for treatment. Um, I really wish that the anorexia didn't have a weight requirement. I wish that the term anorexia didn't have that weight requirement on it in order to be diagnosed. Um, I guess nowadays they have the diagnosis of atypical anorexia, which is just like all of the anorexia requirements except for being underweight. I feel like just that in general doesn't make it seem as serious. And people that might suffer from that, from my own mental like experience and my own memory of suffering from that, like anorexia seems to be like the place you need to get to in order to get treatment. But it's like, we're like actively recovering still and like mostly recovered. Such a strange mindset to explain this to other people too and be like, yeah, this is my thought process. And I look back and I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> Why did I think like this? But it's so easy to think this way too. And you know, like when there's so much like, pressure on being thin and there's so much like you know validation and like how you look based mm-hmm. being an indicator of your health that of course like you know if you really deep down want treatment of course you're gonna think like oh i need to i need to look a certain way first i need to look the part if i want people to actually yeah this. it's like a double-edged sword because um like you said some people are so thin and they're so malnourished that they're really ill and they're close to dying. But if people, you know, who weren't to that extreme yet, because there's always that chance that they could weren't, there wasn't this stigma. There wasn't all of this, you know, this stuff centered around it and they felt more comfortable to get treatment Then less and less people would get to that point where they are almost dying. They're dying from it. Yeah. It's like saying kind of like, I'm going to go to the doctor because I have a broken finger, but like maybe I shouldn't go to the doctor because there are other people that have cancer kind of thing. Like just putting your own Mm -hmm. experience, like thinking of those people that are worse off than me. Therefore I shouldn't get treatment for what I'm dealing with because like those people need treatment first. Everybody deserves treatment no matter what place you are in your eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And especially like on like on social media, when I meet people in person and say like, hey, I think I may have an eating disorder, but it's not that bad yet. So maybe I shouldn't get treatment yet. It's like, no, like get treatment now because like you don't want it to get worse. Like, yeah, this stuff is so hard to come back from. And like, I feel so much pain for the people who are like gauntly thin and like about to die. Like, I really wish they didn't get to that place. And I wish there was help that happened like earlier on, you know? Mm hmm. So yeah, problems. But at this point, and I'm feeling really good. I um, I think after gaining the weight back, like in middle school, like my disorder got worse in a lot of ways. Like my physical body wasn't as in danger, I would say, because, you know, mm-hmm. I was of a healthy weight at that point. But like the mental part of that eating disorder kind of remained and was ignored for the most part, like by myself, because I didn't believe I no longer had an eating disorder because I wasn't thin enough anymore but the fact that I couldn't really talk about it and I didn't feel like I could talk about it just made those feelings get worse and those disordered feelings and thoughts become more and more disordered and more difficult to deal with um yeah like the thought that people wouldn't take you seriously right yeah so yeah there's just so many 
so many symptoms of disordered eating that aren't related yes, to your weight. Absolutely. So, yeah. And there's just so such a complex like set of illnesses. And I don't know. Using weight is just like the biggest indicator is I don't know. Yes. <laughs> it's so ineffective. I guess I'm so less eloquent now and I'm like kind of worked up about it, but you know. Sorry, right, sometimes we gotta be. Yeah, and I think, you know, if we're um you know, we're, we're finding out, we're revealing, we're sharing the health at every size and that, you know, health at every size does exist. It's, it's mm-hmm. also the same thing with illness. Illness does exist at every size too. And this disordered eating and this eating disorders, they, they're not biased. So they'll affect everybody and anybody. Right. You were saying that your eating disorder, all of these patterns really kind of just developed because of puberty, like there wasn't any other triggers or any life events or anything that happened. And it's hard to, yeah, it's a pinpoint specifically, like what triggered it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what I remember vividly is like the time when I made the decision to start dieting was in middle school when I was on the sports team. And I felt that I was like slower than all of my peers and I was taller. I grew really fast. So I had growth spurt like in sixth grade and I was like five, nine when I was like 11. So I was taller than everyone. I just felt self-conscious about that. And I felt like I was uncoordinated and super slow. And in my 11 year old mind, I was like, if I lose like 20 pounds, this will all be fixed. <laughs> None of this will exist, which is not true. Literally anything you say that like this will happen when I lose X amount of pounds is usually not true. And for people who have like gone through extreme weight loss, like a lot of people will tell you to like, Hey, I thought this would fix all of these like things in my life and it didn't. Mm-mm. Yeah. Newsflash. Yeah. Weight doesn't make you happy. But at that point I decided to like kind of watch more carefully what I eat. Um, and that kind of just spiraled. I became very obsessive about it and yeah, it it's hard to explain how it turned into from like, just like an innocent, like, Oh, I probably just won't have like, Dairy Queen blizzards all the time anymore until like I'm not going to eat anything you know that's that's a big leap but like it happened and it happens to a lot of people that big leap yeah I was just gonna say um I think all of us can probably relate to that I know I can mm-hmm. you just think back to like your early quote quote early days of like dieting and food obsession and all of that and you feel like you think of like okay one or two instances and then before you know it you're just full-blown dieting like weight obsessed body hating the whole nine yards and I think that's something that all of us if we really think about it can identify with it just it happens yeah. like that yeah even nowadays like as a yoga instructor and fitness professional like I do not like believe in restricting anything um which is an interesting kind of a sometimes controversial point in the fitness community too because I have coworkers that are like even like the worst food that you can think of for your, you're like, you don't believe in restricting that. And like, honestly, no, I don't. Cause I feel like my biggest fear from like going into a, a more intuitive diet, just eating what I feel like when I feel like it would be that I would like only eat junk food a hundred percent of the time. Like yes. I just like eat breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, and because like, you know, when I was restricting, I craved all these like crazy unhealthy foods all the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to eat them all the time. It ended up not being true. Like once I stopped like restricting it and stopped telling myself I couldn't have certain things, turns out I didn't actually want them as much as I thought I did. And I ended up eating a very balanced diet just naturally. So like, I think like I remember in recovery, 
there was like one day, like my therapist one day was like, all right, today you are going to let yourself eat whatever you want. It's just like one day. And then I promise you can go back to restricting tomorrow. And I was like, okay, I can do it for one day. And I ate like mac and cheese like three times that day. Like for all of my meals, I ate like mac and cheese (laughs) and I had like pizza. I had like all this cheese and all these carbs. And I was like, I feel terrible. And then like the next few days I was like, I don't want this anymore. It wasn't like a, you can't have it. It's like, Hey, I've satisfied the craving for it. Therefore Mm. now I want something different. And that's so natural. And that's like what we need to tune into to our bodies. So yeah, it's, I mean, our body's meant to keep us in balance. We just got to listen. Right. So when we start, when we take one food and just like restrict it, we're just like interfering with our body's like natural ability to already do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So and I think we forget about the psychological component to totally, being yeah. a human and that, in, you know, it extends into what we eat and our, our relationship with food. Right. Yeah. And then part of it is probably just me. Like I, you know, recovered from an eating disorder. So of course I'm not going to like promote restriction. Because I don't believe that I can do it in a healthy way or in a balanced kind of way. So I don't promote it. But are there people out there who can? Maybe. But I don't know. It's not my experience. So my experience is like, just eat what you feel like and you'll be fine. Absolutely. Well, I think it's even more profound that, you know, your eating disordered and all those behaviors kind of just stemmed from being a quote, quote, normal teenage girl. You know, because some people, they have a a traumatic life event or something that occurred that, you know, puts them on that path and they they spiral into that um, eating disorder. But it's kind of even a little more scary to think that nothing can happen. You could just be a quote, quote, normal teenager and end up with an eating disorder. Yeah, I think that says a lot about like just the society we live in, too, is like what about growing up as like a young girl is so traumatic that it results in this kind of stuff. Because I did rack my brain too, because that's another thing we talk about in therapy is like, okay, what was your story? Like, why did this happen? Like, was there an event? I was like, was there an event that I'm just like deeply suppressing that I like don't know? And I came to the conclusion that it was just like the repetitive nature of like going to school every day and just feeling bad about yourself and just like seeing images on TV about what you're supposed to look like and like feeling these comparisons to other girls, like all of those adding up like every single day was traumatic in its own way just like feeling like you're not good enough and it's by design like you know of course we're kind of fed insecurities so that would be that's a whole other topic we're like being fed insecurities (laughs) you know all that kind of stuff um it does add up and it's it's hard it's terrible that we live in that kind of world but it's important to draw attention to it Mm -hmm. so how long has it been since you began treatment I began treatment three years ago. Three years ago. So it's been only three years, which is hard to think. You know, it's been like 12, 12 years of eating disorder struggle mm-hmm. and three years of recovery. I still have to remind myself of that a lot, like, especially on days when it's harder and days when I feel like restricting. Just like, okay, I've only been at this for like one fourth of the time, the time I struggle with it. So, of course, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm trying to be good enough at it <laughs> that's another word i'm trying to stay away from is like perfect word like don't be a perfect recoverer because that's impossible and oh, that yeah. you know strive for perfection is another reason that we fall into the whole disordered eating and some of this thinking so i have good days and bad days post recovery which is totally fine i'm allowed to have good days and bad days mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's definitely a day by day, one step at a time operation. <laughs> right. Oh well, yes, for sure. But the further I get from like that, the, the really hard part of my life, the more good days I have and bad days. And have you found anything um, in particular, any that helps you really get through those bad days or those bad moments? That's a good question. I think I'm still working on finding like the the foolproof thing I can go to that like carries me through. Um, remembering like how when I did restrict and when I did lose weight and when I hit certain goals I set for myself, like trying to remember that feeling of how like empty it kind of was. Because even when I did like try to lose weight and I thought I would feel satisfied if I just like lost a pound or lost like five pounds. All I did was be like, okay, great. Now what's the next goal? And there was no like satisfaction to it or anything. So just remembering like when I do feel like kind of falling back into that pattern, I always remember how it never ended up feeling the way I wanted it to feel when I got to certain goals. It was never worth it. Totally false promises. And it's so much, makes so much more sense just to like be happy now than to like lose weight and be happy then. And just one of them is gonna be healthier on you in the long run yeah because like you said you're not you could lose the weight and you're still not really happy all the things that you know you are feeling unhappy with now they kind of we think losing the weight will make us happier and erase them all but it never does right I still suffer from a lot of like dysmorphia like looking in the mirror and seeing something completely different than what actually exists and I always have to remember, like, when I look in the mirror one day and I feel like, oh, my gosh, I look huge. Like, when's the last time I felt that way? Like, I maybe the day before I looked in the mirror and was like, hey, I look awesome, you know? And, like, my body didn't really change, like, in that time period. Just like Right. So trying to separate myself from that a little bit and being like, oh, shucks, I don't like the way I look today. Well, maybe I will tomorrow. Hmm. And I'll just move from that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's been helpful, too, just knowing the mindsets that happen or temporary yeah that is like that is a good tidbit too because we really give our emotions and our thoughts a lot more power yeah over us than they really have yeah before when I was restricting and using that using my diet as a means of control I would always respond to like those negative emotions by like acting on them by like either skipping a meal or like going on a ungodly long run or something like that and now I know that I don't have to take action on them because like they will change either way like I could do this thing and it would go away I could not do this thing and it would still go away it's not related to the action that I take it's just a thing that happens ups and downs moods change and the disordered behavior was never appropriate response it never fixed anything or changed anything anyway so there's no point in doing it. So how long have you been a yoga instructor? Um, 2014. So that's five years. Five years now. Started my yoga teacher training like two years before I started treatment. And this was a yoga is so fascinating about it. To me, it was so fascinating to learn about yoga philosophy, especially like Ayurvedic. I don't know if you're familiar with Ayurveda mm-hmm. at all. It's a sister science to yoga, just um, about like healthful living was a very rundown explanation of it. Looking at that, like yoga and the philosophy of like how to live your most healthful life, mm-hmm. 
might not be the most beneficial to somebody who's suffering from like really strict disordered eating. But at the time when I was taking it, it was very enlightening in like listening to your body, like learning how to listen to your body. Kind of the the rule, there's like a lot of rules, I guess you should follow and like yoga and Ayurveda that I was learning about, not necessarily to like learn how to teach them, just to like be aware of them and be aware like what this philosophy came from. And it kind of showed me that there are other ways to like tune into what you need and there are other ways to be healthy than the ones that I were doing. The ones that I were, I guess I wasn't really doing anything to be healthy, but I thought that I was. Mm-hmm. There are other philosophies and other perspectives on this. So it kind of opened my mind a little bit to like, maybe I don't have to do this crazy stuff that I'm doing. Maybe I don't have to eat this way. Maybe I could try something else. And I really loved that about it. And yoga in general was always just something that it was an escape for me. A little bit when I did practice yoga, especially in a room without mirrors. Don't like practicing yoga in a room with mirrors. And I have thoughts on that. But another day, (laughs) another conversation, another time. Um, I always kind of felt like it took me out of my body in a way that I didn't really feel that body image stuff. I didn't feel the stress of my eating disorder when I was practicing yoga. It made me feel stronger, which I was not, you know, when you're not eating food, you're not typically not very strong. So like having that ability to like strengthen myself through something was very empowering. Yeah, so becoming a yoga teacher, my especially like a new yoga teacher as I'm going through eating disorder recovery and therapy for that has kind of defined like how I view everything else in my life. How I connect with students, I just remember some of those feelings that I had practicing yoga where I was feeling grateful for my body rather than like angry at Mm -hmm. my body. Each to that a little bit more. Yoga is a good tool because yoga, you know, there's so many opportunities to like practice yoga and be like, I feel bad about myself because I can do these things or because I don't look like these Instagram yogis or all these reasons. But like yoga is there as a tool you can really practice, like changing your mindset around yoga and that can lead into other things in your life. So that was very rambly. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, yoga is awesome. I do think yoga is very awesome in the sense that you kind of just you're forced to be in tune with your body. And I know like I practice yoga at home a little bit sporadically. And sometimes like I'll, I'll tell the difference in my body doing a certain pose. And I'm like, Mm kind of like, wow, like I can do this, you know, quote, quote better. So to say this time than I could like a week or so ago. And so I think it's, it is very helpful in that aspect to see it's like almost a way to like really respect your body for what it can do regardless. Yeah. People sometimes think of yoga as like, you know, a, a totally healthy thing to do. Like, you know, people who are really healthy do yoga all the time. And it's kind of a stereotype in a way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Like a lot of people do yoga in a way that's very unhealthy. And you can injure yourself if you don't listen to your body and really get into tune with your body, which has happened to me. Like I'm a competitive person. I've definitely injured myself, like posing myself into yoga poses I can't do. So just having that tool and that goal to work on practicing yoga in a healthy way has really translated well and worked well with my eating disorder recovery too. Like, okay, well, if I can respect myself and respect my body, like on this little mat right now, like why can't I do it when I step off of this mat, when I go out to dinner and when I like do anything that just, or almost do anything disordered, like I can definitely bring that mindset off the mat. So yeah. Now, being a yoga instructor, I'm sure you see a lot in your students and the people that come to your classes. Yeah, 
I mean, what I mean, I see a lot. Like as far as um, like different, you probably see some people all over the spectrum when it comes to like disordered eating and things like right, that. Right. So there's a, there's always like a variety of yoga students in your class. And I try to, I try to teach more to the respecting your body, slowing down your practice kind of style of yoga rather than the like get super competitive and like force yourself to do all these things and burn all the calories because you know it's yoga like it's not about traditional fitness in a way a lot of people yeah are attracted to traditional fitness but yeah I definitely um can find it hard to teach students sometimes that reminded me of me in a way that's like Mm. they're getting competitive in class and they're doing poses they might not be ready for and I struggle with that a little bit because I identify with that student and I know how I feel in that arena and it's a practice of my teaching to kind of not over empathize in a way like oh this person is struggling with all the things I struggle with because that's not necessarily true yeah it's a good practice to like stick with your values when you teach and you know I'm trying to teach people how to respect their body and that might mean resting today and like not doing these exercises or it might mean that they just need to like leave their sweat on their mat because they're having a stressful day and that helps them and trying to understand everyone's specific reason for coming to yoga that day yeah now have you had anybody kind of like approach you and asking you like about okay because like you know how like if you're a personal trainer at a gym people are going to approach you with like diet and and nutrition type stuff do you get that as a yoga instructor yeah all the time yeah, I try to, um, I don't give any advice on nutrition to my students ever, because although I know, I feel like I know quite a bit about nutrition, having gone through eating disorder recovery and just like learning about it that way. Um, I am not at all qualified to do that. I don't have any, I don't have any of the necessary degrees in order to really advise people. Right. I also believe like, personally, I believe nutrition is different for every person there's no like one piece of nutrition advice that's going to work for everybody like everyone's body is different and needs different things so when a student like comes up to me and asks something simple like what should I be eating or something like that I'm very comfortable saying like this is not my area of expertise like you know if you want really want to like look at your diet I recommend talking to your doctor or talking to someone who is a nutritionist because you're just kind of asking for pseudoscience at this point but then there's a whole there's a lot of people in the industry too who will willingly give advice that they're not qualified to give, which unfortunately happens a lot. But mm-hmm. I think it's important to, to know what you know and know what you're qualified to say and kind of get away from it otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I have one more question. And this question I'd like to ask everybody What do you think it means to, as a woman to be fully in your power? That is an interesting question. Fully well, in your for, power. For you, like if, if you are fully in your power, what does that mean for you? What does it look like or feel like? Give me a second. <laughs> um, I think the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is being fully aware of all of the influencers kind of around you, like all of the, the reasons why you think or you are doing the things that you're doing, just so that you can make those decisions about what your values are how to live, how to eat, like what you want for your life. There's so many different ways people can influence that, ways society can influence that. So I try to be very aware of that. And that's something that 
living with an eating disorder and recovering from an eating disorder has taught me to be aware of everything like advertising be aware of like what people say in the media like what you hear and like fitness blogs and all this kind of stuff and like understand why you believe what you believe so that you know if you actually believe it or you're just thinking what other people have told you I feel like I live more in my power now that I can be a little more critical about like the information that comes out at me and realize I don't have to buy into everything if it's not benefiting me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that comes to my mind with that. I um, what's yours? I want to know what yours is. For me, being fully in our power as a woman, to me, feels like we're completely comfortable showing up as the woman we are. Like, and I'm sure you would agree, society, diet culture, all of it, they they make us scared as women, as humans, you know, because men are affected too. But for the sake, we you know, we talk about women, they're scared to show up as themselves for yeah. many reasons. And I think being fully in our power is saying F all of that and just being ourselves. I love that. So that's what hopefully we can all help each other work towards. That's so awesome. <laughs> Well, if people want to work with you, chat with you, all of that good stuff, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Paige the Yogi. My DMs are always open, and I absolutely love getting DMs from people who want to just like chat about intuitive eating, intuitive fitness, any of that kind of stuff. I love it. Even if you just have questions or you disagree with something that I post or stuff like that, conversations are so so helpful just to like kind of develop my own mindset about this stuff because you know it's a journey it's not like I have it all figured out um so I appreciate every every conversation that comes in there yes conversations are a powerful thing totally well thank you so much for having this chat with me I loved it thank you so much for inviting me to chat with you (laughs) it's an honor so thank you Thank you so much for spending this time with me. If you loved this episode as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a rating and a review. Let me know what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you really loved this episode, please be sure to share it with somebody else who you think would love it just as much. You can take a screenshot, share it on Instagram. You truly don't know who can benefit from hearing this conversation or this message. If you want to be friends, and I really would like to be friends, you can find me on Instagram at theamandamurphy or at theamandamurphy.com. And until we chat next time, just remember that you are not alone and that life without dieting does exist. Bye, babes.